Hello, Docolo. We are in the dog days of summer. It gets fucking humid here in the middle Tennessee, Nashville area. You can pretty much go up five to ten degrees every couple hundred miles the further south you go. You have hit play on the Documenteers podcast, the best podcast about documentaries in the sense that we watch and discuss the documentary each week. Some documentary podcasts are literally just podcasts documenting something. That seems to be the more common definition of documentary podcasts. Maybe someday we will judge those types of documentaries. There are documentary podcasts about making documentaries. Some fine people do those, and that's a different style than what we do, really. We discuss documentaries themselves and judge the fuck out of them. My name is Bob Sham, and I probably should have said that five sentences ago. Hello. Welcome. This week, Eldridge and I discuss a documentary that aired on BBC Two, I believe, in the year 2000. And in this feature, relatively famous documentarian Louis Theroux interviews a British personality in his series, When Louis Met... Which, objectively, is kind of a corny-ass title for a documentary series. But in this edition... Louis follows around a fellow by the name of Jimmy Savile. If you're from Great Britain, you probably gasped a little. Eleven years later, Savile died after this dropped on England's faces. The floodgates opened on some serious accusations amounting to the hundreds, like 500. Like a Jeffrey Epstein who got even less than the slap on the wrist that Jeffrey Epstein got. Epstein, of course, had the Lolita Express and private islands where politicians and powerful personalities, the likes of Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz, and other people who ruined everything, had alleged to have had sex with underage girls on these Epstein excursions. I have no problem believing that any of those dudes are fucking creeps. Jimmy Savile might be the Pope of powerful molesters and creeps. Watching this episode of When Louis Met Jimmy by Will Yap, Louis Theroux, and the BBC from the year 2000 with our modern knowledge of Savile's crimes is a weird excursion where every attempted joke and reaction merits disturbing interpretations. Next week on the show, Johnny finally returns from his recovery after his Hell's Bells episode. Interestingly mixed reviews on that episode, by the way. Johnny's been begging me for this one, and sometimes after I take and take and take, I give back to the Docolo community. August can unofficially be themed our fine Bob will let you watch the doc you want to watch month. We got to another part of that tired lady that is Europe to meet a band, a Finnish band, a punk rock Finnish band comprised completely of mentally disabled musicians. You should be able to find this on the Tubi app, which is still free last I checked. We discuss Juka Karkanen and Yanni Pateri Passis, I probably didn't say that right, 2012 rockumentary, The Punk Syndrome, originally titled Kavasikajutu. Ugh, sorry. Catch that on Tubi and then come back and hear Johnny and I rap about it next week right here on The Documenteers. Brief music clips that you will hear in this episode include a live rendition of Mel B from the Spice Girls singing Are You Gonna Go My Way? A singer I never previously listened to from a band I never got into singing a song I never liked. Then you hear Queen's Princes of the Universe. And I'll give you one guess as to which pop culture reference sparked that song. Finally, we fade out the episode on a good one. The classic song Public Image by P.I.L. Documenteerspodcast.com 
for all back show information. You can see what we look like and find out methods of contacting us. Supporting us is very simple. Just give us five stars and a review on your podcast app, especially on Apple Podcasts. We are forced to assert the importance of Apple Podcasts. That's just how the podcast cookie crumbles. I don't listen to podcasts through Apple Podcasts, but I do review ones I want to support on there because I know how important it can be. Onwards to a jaunty journey with a very, very dark underlining. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. Were you that keen and excited to be involved in this project? Yes. Why? Yes, I don't know. I don't know. But I quite like the idea of it. Because I'm odd, you're different, that's not a bad double. Between us, we should be able to do something. Hello, hello, hello. I've been watching Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, this is how this is going. <laughs> Can we? I just want to apologize to all of Great Britain on behalf of all Americans for thinking that everything you guys do is all about Mary Poppins. I ain't sorry for shit. Y'all deserve everything you get. <laughs> it's I always mean, Mary Poppins to us. Yeah, it's always Mary Poppins. I don't care where you're from in England. You're all from London. We don't give a fuck. Hi there, what? Someone's from Leeds? Somebody's from Leeds. Shout out to Leeds United. Almost got that promotion this year. No, not happening. Elders, you're a huge Premier League soccer fan. It's pretty much yeah. like your sport thing. It is my sport. It used to be Bundesliga, but Bundesliga broadcasting rights were getting all jacked up, so I had to switch over to the English leagues. I can watch that when I want, where I want, how I want it. You have also laid claim to most soccer-related or football, as they call it, overseas. Oh, let's not get caught up in that, like, <laughs> dick measuring contest. I call it football. 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 I yeah. try to call our football NFL. Yeah. Because it really is kind of its own pocket. Thing. Yeah, there's lots of football, but NFL is the top. So yeah, yeah. that's what we get. But you've laid claim to all most all future documentaries regarding uh, soccer, particularly yeah. Premier League soccer. I know that Drew is the sports guy, but I'm just going to put my big gauntlet down and say soccer football that is i need that in my life i feel as if i should be the one to talk about those subjects and we'll get that that we'll use that to get to an international angle here hmm. on the doctor years you know yeah we'll be getting to the international angle we'll get to some bundesliga uh, nah, fuck bundesliga, bundesliga. <laughs> it's a it's a you've really crackly. fallen off of i've bundesliga. fallen off it i'm tired of watching Bayern munich run away with it I'm getting so far away from what we're actually talking about. Well, you can understandably, we're maybe trying to dance around the subject of what we're talking about. Yeah, we're tiptoeing into it. This is Euro, This is the Euro-focused podcast segment of yeah. the, the month. Now, we grew up mostly in the U.S. I grew up in... I spent about seven years in Germany. Until what age? Uh, seven. Well, I'm not saying I'm like German or anything. It's like, no, but we pretty much grew up like... I kind of think of like where you grew up like... Um, I mean, I'm sure your childhood memories are your... I was formed in the South. All of my That's adult thoughts are Southern. Yeah, yeah. I just... I had an old friend that lived in New York City when until he was five years old. Mm -hmm. And then lived in Clarksville ever since. Yeah. 
But he always said he was from New York. If he, if people laugh, no, no, no. I always claim Nashville. I'm not yeah. that deal. I'm like, oh yeah, like because then people are like, oh, where are you? What hospital are you born in? I'm like, okay, all right. I don't. Okay. Yes, I was born somewhere else. I'm I'm not from Nashville because it's it's a hot topic here in Nashville. Are you from? Are you local? I'm like, yeah, I'm from Murfreesboro. Get the fuck out of here. You ain't from Nashville. <laughs> Technically, I'm from a place called Southside Tennessee. Yeah, but. Lately, I just kind of say I'm from Nashville because at this point, I've lived in Nashville as long as, if not longer than any other place I've been in. You're here pre-boom. That's kind of like, there's like three phases to Nashville. Maybe there's there's that old Nashville, then there's pre-tornado Nashville, PT as we like to call it, and, oh, then, yeah, and then post-boom. Those are the three main categories living Nashvilleians, I think, kind of classify. Yeah. But I grew up so close. I mean, yeah, I mean, mid-state. Let's just say mid-state. That, that, Mid-South. Yeah, Mid-South. Yeah. Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. That's a that's a mood right there. This is super interesting, Dan. Hashtag mood. Everyone wants to know about this. <laughs> None of this is getting edited out. I don't want to talk about what we got to talk about. You know, I'm not going to lie, dude. It's real hard. <laughs> <laughs> More ways than one for some people. <laughs> also, we don't have to talk about race or anything in this movie. Yeah, there's literally nothing. I feel no need to discuss race in this, which is very comforting to How's me. How's your race going, by the way? Uh, I came in second last I checked. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tired of being number two, but I mean, that's America, am I right? Your whole race. Yeah. Second place. Yeah. Just, well, the, the rules of the game have been so, uh, stacked oh, I, against us. So. I hear you, friend. Yeah. Well, there we go. We Right. We touched on it. We got it out of the way. Boom. We're done. The race most over. efficient race conversation we've ever had, truly. Yeah. It was truly to the point. Now, Eldridge, we, we grew up in the U.S., southern U.S., in our yeah. formative years. Yeah. Formative years. We didn't grow up with this guy, Jimmy Savile. No idea who this man was until a few years back. Right. There is some extreme controversy, but I'm the same way. I honestly never heard of the guy until after he died. And he's been dead since 2011. Yeah. He was old as fuck, too. God, 2011 is so much further back than I think it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, 2011, that was just a couple years. Uh, Wait, no, eight no. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. That's two high school experiences ago. When I was a freshman in high school that, or college, that's how I measured time. Four years old. That was all of high school. Well, that span of time felt like an eternity. Felt like an eternity. Now, four years. Damn, I've had Barack Obama getting elected was ages ago now. And that felt like yesterday. Yeah. Watching this, this 2000 film by Will Yap and Louis The Rue. Louis <laughs> The Rue did this series on the BBC. He's done all kinds of things. He's done, yeah. he's done stuff for American television as well. He worked with Michael Moore. He's known for being, he's very much an in it kind of guy. Yeah. So when Louis the Rue's involved, it's often blatantly filtered through Louis. Yeah, totally. He, he has an angle. He's, he's pushing for something. I could imagine that Louis the Rue is a very divisive figure for people who know who he is. You know, a lot of times the things he's involved in, it don't, it's like documentary comedy all, all, a lot of the time. Tall looking guy. At least he looked very tall next to Jimmy Savile, yeah. who is like, what, 80 in this shit? Yeah, he's old. He was very old. Maybe in late 70s. I don't know. But there were some moments where, like, they're interacting and Louis's laughing. And he it looked very charming how disarmed Louis was. Right. Well, I mean, he's English. And if you're interviewing a person of this stature, I don't care who you are. You're going to have a little bit of butterflies. True. And Louis states, oh, we're talking about, it's a part of a series, but it functions completely on its own, of the When Louis Met series on BBC. And this episode right. is called When Louis Met Jimmy came out in 2000 by Will Yap and Louis the Rue. Louis the Rue interviews Jimmy Savile, and Louis grew up with Jimmy Savile all over the TV. Now, this was awkward for us, knowing what we know now. 
mm-hmm. but I couldn't imagine what it would be like, how it would feel if you grew up seeing this guy on TV. The What we now know about Jimmy Savile, it almost seems like a lot of people who've been outed for a variety of sexual deviant shit. Yeah. It almost seems like Jimmy Savile is all of these people in one human being. He is a definite Super Cosby, if you will. You know, we grew up watching Bill Cosby. I think that's the closest reference we have. I think that is the closest reference we have. Somehow, this dude, I mean, you don't really want to make comparisons, but somehow this guy, it's like he's, if there was an enclave of fucking celebrity creep lords it seems like jimmy savile would be the the emperor of these people you know honestly after watching the first about five minutes of this all i could think about was every time i saw bill cosby on the jimmy fallon late night show Mm -hmm. their mannerisms the way they talk with people it is almost identical this patron type figure who has something to say about everyone has to correct someone about everything almost like they can sense their immense uh influence in the industry they both have those same sort of ticks or tells, if you will. And a lot of references to what they deem to be positivity and negativity. Yeah, we don't want to talk about this negativity. Yeah, they they filter it in a way of like, we're trying to be positive. We're trying to help people. That was one of the first uh, tense moments in the documentary. Felt like Jimmy Savile was constantly critiquing, uh, you call him Thoreau? I can, Thoreau? Louis the Rue. Louis the Rue? You can just call him Louis. Louis, yeah. He kept critiquing Louis saying, well, how can you answer me asking me questions like this? How come you, you're bringing up this negative? You're always trying to lift up the toilet lid. <laughs> what did I tell you about these people? Yeah. Huh? Don't they keep lifting the toilet lid of life? They keep lifting the, the toilet lid of life. Yeah. But Louis's not going at him that hard. He's really not. He's seriously not. But it, it is interesting to see him going through uh, his flat, as they call it. Yeah. We're very you're, charmed by your you. apartment, okay, guy. <laughs> I don't care where you're from; it's an apartment, okay. Oh, they call the. I think they reference the emergency room later as the going to casualty. Yeah, going to casualty. Man, when you say casualty in America, it means like you're dead. You're dead from warfare. Like a <laughs> bad car accident has occurred. Why don't we just sit here and instead of talking about this documentary, we should just list off all the different words that are wrong from england england it's a truck not a lorry okay it's an elevator not a lift they call a truck a lorry it's a lorry interesting yeah england the loo instead of the bathroom yeah i knew that one yeah biscuits instead of cookies what the hell crisp instead of chips i can go on for days about how fucked up this is what is it that they call cigarettes again um smokes yeah that's yeah yeah they're a great culture over there (laughs) Uh, they say cunt all the time. But you don't yeah. say it to women. You say it like generalized or yeah, at men. Yeah, generalized or at men. That, they do make that distinction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you say it at women, you're an asshole. Yeah, you're a raging dick. I think it works here that way as well. I, I think so, but I think we're a little different. Maybe. I say it. It's not out of my <laughs> repertoire. I got to admit. But I apply the same rules. I would never direct it at an individual. No, of course not. But like if you're like some uh, a guy, especially like yeah. a douche, I'll pro- I will have... No problem calling you a cunt. Well, thankfully, cuck has gone into our uh, common parlance, so I think that's just the... Uh, you can't the, see right now, but I'm doing my hand, <laughs> my fingers to my lips. I'm, uh, oh, you're a, them. you're a cuck fan. Yeah, cuck fan. It kind of has been officially co-opted from that rightness. Yeah, it's all, it started, I feel like, as a joke to make fun of the alt-right, but then it's just like, yeah, cuck. It's just, it does work. I've <laughs> noticed that. Look, I'm a particularly left-wing human being, no but, and I've noticed in the circles that they have actually utilized that word <laughs> yeah. now, too. Often to throw it back into the yeah. faces of those that would 
throw that word around a lot to begin with. Look, man, we're reclaiming cuck, okay? Yeah, reclaiming cuck. Look, and also, why are we judging people for their sexual preferences? Don't judge people in their marriages and how they get down with their wives, okay? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they're referencing, are they talking about volunteer cucking? I guess there's two versions, right? I always imagine that if you're being cuckolded, that, well, I guess it is involuntary. Nobody signs up. Well, some people do, though. I I think it can go both ways. Yeah. Wow, we were getting this. This sex scandal stuff gets us into all kinds of deep rabbit holes. Let Let me look at your internet search history on your phone. I actually have a medical alert bracelet that says, "Please don't erase cuck my me. search." Yeah, please don't cuck me. And then the second line is, "Erase my search history." <laughs> <laughs> like if I'm a vegetable, it better remain pure. That's all I gotta say. Like you wait until I till death do us part. And it doesn't say brain dead. I'm talking physical death. <laughs> I'm going to write out my will. First <laughs> sentence, don't cuck me, bro. And don't cuck me, bro. Not even when I'm dead. Not even when I'm dead. Don't cuck me when I'm dead. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching from heaven. I'll let Angela know that no one's allowed to cuck yeah. me. Yeah. That would be cruel. That would be cruel. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us who, we've set this up. Tell us who Jimmy Savile is. Okay. okay. So Jimmy Savile, we know, well, I didn't know him, but most English people know him as Radio personality, television preventer, philanthropist, um, you know, charity fundraiser, if you will. Famous for raising over, what is it? 40 million pounds. I'm talking, that's some heavy weight. That's a lot of weight. Yeah, wow. Sterling. 40 million pounds sterling, as they say. Sterling. How many quid does that equal? I have no idea. I don't even know what quid means. I just hear people say quid sometimes. But he raised a whole lot of money for charity over there. He's kind of a, he's a big deal. Yeah. In England. Big in philanthropy and big in cultural history, popular music in the history. Yeah. And he's also popular for or infamous for... He is known for being a super predator of underage children. Well, I guess all children would be underage, but the uh, I think he was reported as having over 450 reported cases, and this is coming from the National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. I think that's some English thing. So that's yeah. 450 reports from a national organization. So he's... He's up there. He's putting in work. Hold up here. I got a 2014 Guardian article that shows a timeline of when accusations started as early as 1955. Jesus. And this claims 500 reported incidents at this time. That's unbelievable. It touches base on this in what we're going to watch. Jimmy died in 2011. The 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 majority the the levies broke pretty much after he died. Right. And then it was like, oh fuck this dude. And then sure. it just got incredibly disturbing. But there were some allegations throughout his life, some hints, some whispers. And it said that his peak molestations were in the 60s. When you get the whole breadth of these accusations, it gets to a point sometimes, I know when dealing with Cosby, it's like, even if only half of these are true, this is monstrous. If one of them is true. Yeah. And he gets away with it. It's terrible. I mean, we have a couple of things that are pretty notable about his sex abuse. Public. I mean, I don't know a lot about punk. Do you know this guy, John, Johnny Linden? Lydon? John Lydon. Lydon, yeah, from the Sex Pistols. Yeah, Did you John, see this quote? Yes, I have. John Lydon, yeah. from and for the Sex Pistols. Mm-hmm. Not your genre. No, it's, it's not my, my he, bag. He seemed to stumble. It's okay. And also went on to form a band called Public Image Limited, also known as PIL. Superior band, in my opinion, to Great. the Sex Pistols, but good band. But this is what you're referencing. I just want to make a film of it on film. I'd like to kill Jimmy Savile. I think he's a hypocrite. I bet he's into all kinds of seediness. 
that we all know about but are not allowed to talk about. I know some rumours. <laughs> yeah, people always tell you things, don't they? Ain't I a bitch, eh, don't you think? On occasion. I bet none of this will be allowed out. I shouldn't imagine libelous stuff will be allowed out. Nothing I said is liable. And there you go. Uh, that's from 1978. Yeah, so... Far in advance of his public or his allegations becoming public, the allegations against him. And I mean, do you also have the whole Sylvia Edwards? Oh, please. Okay, so Sylvia Edwards, she was molested on live TV in 1976 on a taping of Top of the Pops. This is, I saw the footage because I looked him up. I was thinking, I think I've seen something about him molesting someone on TV before. It is him on TV introducing someone for Top of the Pops. And you see right before it starts, this girl like jump and she is just wriggling around. She, she's kind of laughing, but not like she's enjoying it. And it's yeah. very clear. I tell you something. <laughs> I feel like I could get used to all this. I think I'm really good getting used to it. So ladies and gentlemen, all we can say is good night from all of us here on top of the pops. And it's number one time. And of course, if you believe me now, it's from the one and only <clears throat> she car go. It's clear what he's doing. The camera just keeps zooming in on his face because I think even the producers are, are thinking. We have got to stop this. This is live. We cannot cut it out. I think people, when they see that, and I think Jimmy, maybe he's dead, thankfully. Uh, rest in hell, yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll be like, oh, well, she was laughing. She was having a good time. Yeah. I think people interpret just basic laughter and reactionary politeness. It's like a, a ticket to like letting it, mm -hmm. like it's okay. But that awkwardness just, it's almost, that's actually more of a defense mechanism. And almost in a way, I always kind of think of it like it's a way to attempt to deflate the scenario in case it gets more dangerous. Because if someone reacted like you just start fucking swinging, like what would happen to you in most of those situations? You'd probably, you'd probably get fucking killed depending on who this person is. It's some know? huge dude. Okay, the way I look at it is a situation of assault like this. Assault is assault, whether it's sexual or physical. Mm -hmm. So if a huge dude came up to me that I knew was really famous too and was starting to beat my ass, the first thing I would do would be to laugh and try and deflate yeah, the situation. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's not like a letting someone get away with doing something kind of thing. Well, I mean, he laughed right before he got shot. So clearly he's into that weird, like, shot BD getting shot BDSM stuff, I guess. This is not the same comparison at all but i hate being tickled i know <laughs> and if you it's like i know a lot of people probably do like i fucking despise it yeah and if and if you tickle me a lot of people we have some friends that don't mind getting punched yeah so when they'll tickle me they'll be like well you're laughing but what else do you do in that scenario that's not the same thing mm -hmm. as enjoying it this this is tough man because I feel, I feel like i want to go in on this but then Oh, I'm just going to take people down. Yeah, can we go back to stuff. talking about race? It's yeah. easier. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy. Anywho, we say all this to preface because this guy, he comes off kind of a dick throughout this documentary, but also like a charming old dick. I kind of expect old people to be dicks in a way because they've lived their whole lives. And once you've lived 70 years, nothing is really new under the sun to you. People trying to be cheeky and charming just kind of comes off as trite, I imagine. If I saw this in 2000, so long ago, yeah, that's also hard to think because we were... You know, we were just going out in the world at yeah, this time. we babes. But if I watch this without the context of knowing all that he's accused of, I'd probably find him charming in, like you said, that he's kind of rude, but in the old man kind of way. I'm kind of right. used to that. I was raised by my grandmother. I'm, mm -hmm. 
am used to cranky elderly people who say inappropriate shit all the time. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a strange thing to me. But Louis, he goes to Jimmy's door. Uh, Jimmy asks if it's the Spice Girls. God. Is Jimmy there, please? Is that the Spice Girls? Yes, it is. No way. Remember. The Spice Girls peaked like maybe two yeah. years before this came out. Scary Spice. I They're still like, love you. I, hey, time, if times are different, pe- our lives are, had changed. People <laughs> still fucking love the Spice Girls. Yeah. Speaking of uh, all things English football, I mean, Posh Spice, married to David Beckham. They have to all sing at the same time Yeah, through high production Yeah, to sound good. Just $40,000 in vocal production, uh, $50,000 in karaoke. That's just for one day. None of these Spice Girls can fucking hold their own, man. Yeah. Not no. You take cannot. back what you said about Scary Spice, I though. I will stand behind. Can she bring it? I mean, I hope so. Louis says he is the Spice Girls, but yeah. uh, Jimmy says go away because the Spice Girls are too old for Jimmy, I assume. Mm, yeah, probably. About 10 years past their prime for him. I mean, Jimmy is, as far as who he's uh, disaffected and molested, he's up and down. But it, And there are a, a few like young adults, like maybe before the age of 25. But, but they this, all looked really young, though, I yeah. bet. But this guy is has been accused of assaulting people as young as two years old. Jesus Christ. That is... Okay. Didn't know that one. I'm trying to analyze a lot of the slangs that said, so I don't know the context of a lot of what they say, but he says something along the lines of, But I do like the idea of getting up in the morning with just me to look after and going to bed at night, not having any brain damage. Yeah. Why would you have brain damage? Eh? Why would you have brain damage? Because the girls I know specialize in brain damage. Wonderful. Yeah. What that, does that, that mean? I don't understand what that means. The girls I know specialize in brain damage. Yeah, and he keeps coming back to that. I think he finds any adult relationship with a woman to be brain damage. Yeah. He never explains why. I think, yeah, does he mean like being around them too much will give him brain damage? I'm just going to assume uh, he just has no capability of connecting to a grown woman. Yeah. I mean, that's plain and simple to me. There's certain moments throughout this where I kind of forget for a moment. I kind of laugh with Louis because sure. Louis, he's trying to do something, but he doesn't, he seems kind of uh, disarmed by Jimmy. And when Louis gets a little disarmed, he seems almost charming because he's yeah. not trying to push something. So when he kind of like pulls back, I kind of pull back a little bit. Me but, too. But then I'm like, oh, this dude is a fucking child rapist. And I did not see that shit until you told me. Just knowing what you told me and then watching that, I just find it. So fucking disturbing. Yeah, it's gross. And he, his whole, his face just looks like a creeper after seeing it. <laughs> oh, describe what he looks like. Ooh, the best way I can describe it is if, uh, let's say Magneto lost all of his powers, grew his hair out long, and started smoking a cigar, and also was nowhere near as cut as Magneto yeah, is. Yeah, Magneto also has that rugged handsomeness. Yeah. wears these big white oak league they're supposed to be sunglasses but he turns them into prescription glasses these big white oakley lenses this might seem weird i kind of like those I, hey man i thought it was cool too but, but on him but i'll never wear them because yeah. they'll make me think of jimmy savile exactly he was he was down with that whole uh dad shoe craze far before the dad shoes took off oh yeah what the fuck what the fuck are those 
just, I just saw that description like the other day. Yeah, dad shoes are huge right now. Pretty much imagine, okay, so let's say you're at the cookout and like your uncle, he's about 45 years old. He's been divorced twice. He's on the grill. Those white sneakers he's wearing. Yeah. Those are dad Those are the, that's the new hotness right now. Just, you know, there's dad hats. Oh, of course. They dad hats dad are huge. Hats. Yeah. I never knew. Jimmy Savile was like OG dad outfit. His whole fit is 2019 dad chic, but in 2000. And he's got his hairs bleached out. Yeah. Straight and, white. And he's got what you what I'd call most of the time he's he's sported what I call like a power pop haircut. Yeah. Like a 70s power pop haircut where it's a little swoopy. He's got front. bangs almost yeah. like a Betty Page and they're long on the sides and go down no further than his shoulders usually. Always has a cigar in his hand. And a cigar all the time. He has, he has different cigars, he was telling. A cigar for a normal about town where it's just a short one, normal cigar, but then when he's on TV, he's got to have that big, fat stogie. Right. He was a DJ at Radio Luxembourg where mm-hmm. where a lot of the accusations began. Also, they claim he's the first person to do continuous spinning with two uh, DJ, uh, what do they call them? Two turntables. That seems like such a basic radio thing to claim. I know. <laughs> Apparently no one was doing it before. Yeah. So, I mean, they claim it. I, that's, I'm just going off what they claim. Well, I mean, th- I'd take that one with a... Gr- that's like Jimmy Savile's the peak unreliable narrator as we get to see further into this. It's like saying I'm the first person to invent shoelace, shoelaces. I created shoelaces. Yeah. Well, you're the first person to create the laces, but I'm the first person who created tying them into a bow. Right, yeah. yeah. The bow. Yeah, the bow. Everyone was that's doing That's a better yeah. example. I yeah. created this type of way of yeah. tying my shoe. How do you prove that? Just no one else said they proved that he'd done it before. So, hey, I'm the one who did it. It's a bizarre thing to claim. Yeah. Maybe he's the first on in Great Britain. Sure. Maybe. Sure. I'll, I'll, yeah, whatever. He saw some uh, radio station in Memphis do this. And he's <laughs> like, hey, uh, why don't you do it like this? And he gets all the credit. That is very English, going to Memphis, taking stuff, and then coming back <laughs> over and being like, yeah, we did this better, right? It's like the most English shit you can do. Basically, peak English is going so... Okay, I'm not going to go there. Because we were not talking about ethnicity today. <laughs> and then repackaging it and repackaging giving it back it, yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah. Even Keith Richards admits that he's like, I don't know why everyone was losing their shit. We were yeah. doing what they were doing. <laughs> Jimmy references the altar, which is his bed. So mm. it's that point where I'm like, right, he's a monster. And then when he's pressed on it by Louis, he's like, oh, well, I enjoy being there and where I sleep. So why wouldn't you call it an altar? He's he's cagey. This man is very cagey, Jimmy Savile. He makes a couple of references that he almost has mob ties and shit. Yeah, he was talking about he didn't believe Louis was who he said he was, so he at his address, and Louis asked him, Now, why have you written my name and address on this pad? Because I never know whether you existed or not. Yeah. You see, and somebody gave me the address, and I thought, well, if he doesn't exist, shall I send some of my... Lads around with strong Sicilian accents to speak with him. To break my legs. No, 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 no. Just to speak with you. How'd you get my address? He said, well, I can get I can get things. I can get what I want. You How got... did you get the address? No, no, I'll get anything, me. How did you get it, though? I can get anything. Yeah. There's nothing I can't get. And there's nothing I can't do. Thank you. And We're so many red flags. <laughs> there's a lot of claims that he's making, and we'll get to some that are particularly bad, but he seems to have this big-time talk. I have a hard time believing things literally, but it still is a window to how he perceives things mm-hmm. and how he feels about what he deserves being someone who's like a celebrity or someone who yeah. helps children out in the world. He kind of talks about this. He wants to be positive. And, okay, Louis's job is to ask him hard-hitting questions. But then 
he's saying, well, we're not having a conversation because, you know, he I guess he's a, a noted teetotal guy. Yeah. And so Louis finds some booze in his cabinet. So he's like, hey, what about this? A secret cache of booze. Now then. It's been touched. Now ask me. Ask me what no. they are. No, 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 no. You see, a good interviewer always yeah. asks questions. He never opinionates yeah. before the answer because the answer might make him look a bit silly. Yeah, so what's the answer? Now then, ask me the question first. <laughs> and so how about Jimmy comes back with... Why the first bottle? Why do you have a bottle of Captain Morgan rum in your uh, for a teetotaler? That looks that looks odd. No, no, no. You see, you're opinionating again. Now, are you asking the question or are you telling me? Which, um, which are you doing? Why have you got Captain Morgan rum in your cupboard? Because conversations aren't conversations when they're accusations to start with. I'm like, well, dude, any question is going to seem like an accusation if it's yeah. something you like. It's like I want you to give me the the interview I want. Now, you see, isn't it better when you ask questions? Well, it is and it isn't, because I thought we were having a conversation, Jimmy. Well, we are having a conversation. Yeah. But you see, conversations, it's not a conversation when there is accusation to start with. What yeah. are you doing, you said, as a teetotaler with half empty bottles of yeah. booze? Yeah, you didn't that like that. No. Oh, I loved it. You didn't. I loved it, because I tried to help you. Louis says he's, in the beginning, that he's surprised that Jimmy agrees to do this with him. We don't get a lot of cultural context to this. We don't know if Jimmy's more of a private guy usually. Mm -hmm. He seems to live a fairly private life when he's not being a monster, apparently. Yeah. He seems actually kind of lonely. What about if you're entertaining, if you have friends around for dinner, what do you cook them? I don't have them sort of friends. And I don't have them sort of nights. But when he's around, he seems incredibly at ease with uh, at least attempting to control all the situations and being mm -hmm. involved in it. It seems like he actually is completely hungry for it. So it's confusing to me why Louis would think, but maybe this surprised Louis as well once yeah, he got into it. Probably. And then this dude shows up. Jim the Pill. I tried to look him up. I couldn't really find anything. I, I was probably fine. spelling his shit wrong. No, it's just Jim the Pill. He's Jimmy the Pill because he's a pharmacist. Oh, Jim the Pill. Yeah, he's Jim the Pill. Jim the Pill. A pharmacist who, what he said to him was something along the lines of, where you go, I go. He's a friend. Jimmy always says, whenever I'm invited, you're invited. Yes. So I get invited to all these uh, rather fancy cocktail parties on board ship. Retired chemist property guy. I wrote Jim LaPelle. I no. thought his last name was LaPelle. Jim the Pill, who accompanies him to things like, you know, cruises and whatnot. Jim the Pill. We don't know anything about this dude other than what's Nothing. told here. But I can't help but think, you know alleging in my brain yeah go on that this guy is completely <laughs> complicit he has access to pills jim the pill you know what sue me for libel i know that he had his hand in all kinds of slipping the mickey and whatever else you want to call it whatever the slang is for it he had a hand in it look cosby would give fucking quaaludes this feel like a quaalude well after they disappeared <laughs> No sleep in my body. Like, he's the last guy to have quaaludes, yeah. Cosby. He yeah. would be like, allergy pills, pudding, mm -hmm. and then hand. It's hard not to think about that. And he goes with him on major engagements. He says, sometimes I go to parties. I'm here and there. It's like, why does a chemist need to accompany this famous dude? This chemist, I guarantee you, is not the life of the party. Jim the Pill. Well, yeah. he is, but he, for different reasons. He doesn't, yeah, he looks like the guy that would only be invited because he has shit. Yeah, and that's all clear the reason why. He said, he's a friend. He's and then once friend. the exchange is made, you're like, I hope he leaves sooner rather than later. Please go. 
So yeah, Top of the Pops, 20 years after he did they DJ'd Radio Luxembourg. And then he did this show called Jim Will Fix It for 20 years, where he would answer letters and help out families and kids and shit like that. And everyone praised him for it. Louis asks him, didn't you used to be a wrestler? Yeah. And Jimmy says, Still am. Still am. I'm feared in every girl's school in Britain. Meaning? That was a pleasantry. Uh-huh. In Yorkshire, it's called a J-O-K-E. Guardian states in a 2014 article in 1970, that record show Savile started to abuse girls at Duncroft Girls School near Staines in Surrey, where he was a regular visitor. So he would probably spin it as... I'm clearly being charitable or look at me. They listen to the music I spin or just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to address the allegations by saying, yeah, isn't this ridiculous? Yeah. I wrestle in every girl's school because clearly I'm a petter ass, but no, yeah, you are dude. That's, that's why people yeah. are out lobbing those allegations at you. Then he lists all of his credit. This guy's been knighted. Of course he's fucking been knighted. I mean, he has the order of the British empire. The striker for my favorite team, Tottenham Hotspur, Harry Kane, he has an OBE. The dude is like 25. He hasn't won jack shit. He has no trophies to his name and he has an OBE (laughs) just because he's like a white English dude with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's the captain of the team. If you look at the English national team, it is 75% black and filled with Champions League finalists, league winners. Yet Harry Kane gets an OBE. And this guy gets an OB. He's he's spouting this out like it's a big thing. It's like literally one of the lowest rungs of of English uh, nobility. <laughs> I, I kid you not. It's bullshit. What does OB mean? Order of the British Empire. Okay, so it's like a lower level knighting, and has even less significance now since what fuck? What the fuck? I mean, there's no empire. They stopped having an empire years and years ago. I couldn't think. I feel like everybody you hear who's British is got some knighthood. Yeah. Could not be the least uh, impressive thing to me. It just seems like you Elton just John has be... been knighted. I mean, he's a Watford supporter, so I mean, what is it? Oh, like the uh, that's a that's another team. team. Yeah, Premier I'm just, just going to pepper in Premier League this whole time. No one's going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm it's Newcastle. Fine. Yeah, there you go. I like beer. <laughs> yeah, the beer's good too. <laughs> yeah, but he's also what is he? He's a knight commander of the Order of Saint Gregory. That's I, a papal knighthood. What does that mean? So basically, I mean, it's like an order for uh, part of the Catholic Church, because despite being in England, he is a Catholic, which isn't very surprising since he's from the north of the country. Sure. More northerners tend to you see, tend to find more Catholics in the north of England. Highlanders, as they're called. Yeah, hi- but Highlanders. But not from Scotland, who are also called Highlanders. It's weird. English people are weird. British people are weird. And that movie, let's not forget that movie, Highlander. There can be only one. Here we are, born to be king. Yeah, only one super predator. Yeah. Also, English people aren't weird. That came out weird. I just meant I'm not used to their culture. <laughs> That's what I meant. But we don't think that just because you have that accent that you're all smart. No, no. I mean, a lot of Americans do think that, but no. But we don't. Spend five minutes browsing YouTube for Arsenal Fan TV. <laughs> Good also, God. Also, let's dispel a Southern myth. I think one of the most prevalent Southern myths out there. This idea that everywhere you'll go in the South, you'll get an amazing meal. No, that is not no, no, true. No. It's funny to me how south of Britain is different because when you hear Southerner in England, you think, oh, sophistication, uh, cosmopolitan. But over there, it's like, oh, Northerner. Like you're <laughs> you're one of those Northern rednecks. You right. Know, Scouser. <laughs> Scousers, baby. Yeah, but he's got some serious... Uh, he got some serious honors, which might be why he gets some of the pushback. I know that the press over there 
is very, I don't know, they're reticent to mess with royalty, nobility, if you will. It seems, it seems strange because uh, what little I've seen of British tabloids, they seem to go pretty hard. They go hard, but let's imagine this. You are a noble. You're a part of the nobility. You think you can do whatever you want. And so you probably do whatever you want. And the fact that we don't hear more about them, to me, is far more telling than the little bits that you get. It's kind of like when you have a major drug trafficker, you let a tanker load of heroin get seized so no one sees the other 50 tankers that are coming in through our ports. Yeah, I mean, I mean, power corrupts. It has to corrupt. So this idea that yeah. there will be no criticisms at all yeah. is just incredibly dubious. Yeah, and a lot of the English press is, you know, I mean, the sky good god very conservative so of course they're going to tell the party line for these noble people so yeah the, some some rumors start floating around about jimmy and anyone who's in his hand-jobbed rank yeah uh well just just based on the fact that he has that rank even if they barely know him will be like well that's rude don't do that yeah he's he's got the obe you gotta gotta support him prop him up uh, I thought this part was funny. Jimmy claimed he was in one of the two penthouses. On one of the ship. only two penthouses. Great view. He's top. And the captain comes down and he's like, oh. Uh, Jimmy said there's only two penthouses and this is one of them? Yes, no, that's right. No, that's not the penthouses, no. No. The main penthouses are up the next day. That's right. I'm, I'm in the servant's quarters. This night ends and Louis confesses that he doesn't feel much close to Jimmy. And also, and truth be told, I was finding him slightly irritating. They go to this restaurant. It was it's called the Flying Pizza Restaurant. Mm -hmm. And this restaurant actually some footage that was shot by Louis that would be discovered later. Oh yeah, plays a big role, and and it actually happens here at the Flying Pizza Restaurant. But it made me wonder, and maybe. This restaurant is owned by people who know how to make good pizza, for all I know. I don't mm -hmm. know. Look at the setup of this restaurant. It actually looks kind of nice. Yeah. You don't see a lot of kids around. In America, a pizza restaurant is going to have some kids in it, usually. Yeah. That's what kids eat here. By the way, since I lost my gallbladder, I've been trying to get back in normal. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think I can do dairy anymore. Ooh, I no. think I, I'm having a hard time. You're one of those now. I know. <laughs> Not vegan, but... I want to try not to eat meat as much. I don't want to cut it completely out. Yeah. But yeah, I might have to be... I can eat eggs and shit, though. Chickens don't count as meat. They're dinosaurs. They're little tiny dinosaurs. They're not, they don't have hair, so... I fucking on. love eggs. Yeah, me too. I, I, they're great. But the Flying Pizza, is that, what, is that English pizza? Is that like a chain? It said it's Jimmy's favorite restaurant. I assume it's something English. I don't... I mean, I hear their food's weird over there. Yeah, the few times... I haven't had too much... Food that's described as this is English food. I think they're really good at desserts. I think they've got that down. They, lo they love putting fruit and things in their desserts that you wouldn't think about doing here in America. They're, they're really good at that. Uh, and to our, to our English listeners, you probably know. If it wasn't for the Indian people and their culture, they'd probably not be shit yeah. worth eating. Boil that chicken and throw some salt to taste. But I've had some like mushy peas side dish that they have there. And I've taken bites of it. And I'm like, you guys not believe in like salt and pepper? It's the problem <laughs> Yeah. Here. God, every time I eat like a British snack, I think, why does someone put a bunch of twigs and paper in this bag and try and serve it as a snack? If I ever go to England, which I'd love to do, go to London, yeah. hang out, I'm going to bring salt and pepper. Dude, bring oh. some Lowry season. You will blow someone's yeah. fucking mind. <laughs> some Old Bay. <laughs> you bring watch. some Old Bay Lowry's? <laughs> One grandmother from Mississippi, you would just rule the <laughs> island. We we only ate to survive before, but now now we eat to enjoy. Yeah, you're welcome, England. England. At this point, Louis got to go to bed. 
But the director is sitting with Jimmy. It's very just set up and then they just talk. Nothing fancy. But this is where the most disturbing part to me comes. He talks about how when he was a DJ at Radio Luxembourg, that if people cause trouble... In the dance world, I invented zero tolerance. I wouldn't stand for any nonsense whatsoever. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. I was always in trouble with the law for being heavy-handed. Always. Uh, but I didn't. I couldn't care less about that. Ejecting people who were mucking about? No, I never threw anybody out. I tied him up and put him down in the bloody boiler house until I was ready for him. About two o'clock in the fucking morning. He had a zero tolerance policy. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, I bollocks to him, yeah. We tie him up and then we'd come back and, uh, and I was the judge, jury and executioner. And he claimed to be judge, jury and executioner. They didn't call him the Godfather for nothing. This is not a joke. People call it Godfather. That's what they called him. I don't know how true this is. I, I would, it wouldn't it would surprise me if it just wasn't like he's just acting tough, but he was actually like a weenie. He'd probably get his ass beat pretty sure. easy. But it shows that that method of control and importance is like a big thing to him. This guy, he attacked, he preyed on young people. Yeah. He preyed on young people. At the end of the day, these are the people that he abused. But he has to make it about controlling his peers to the public. Because that's how he wants to control the public. Really. And I think even on the in the private moment on camera that he had, he was saying things like, oh, the, the cops, they'd always say I'm going too hard on him. You know, if, if a copper came and said, you was a bit heavy with them, with that kid or those two guys, whatever, I'd say, your daughter comes in here. <laughs> She's 16. She's not supposed to come into town, but she doesn't. She comes here. I presume you'd like me to look after her. If you don't want me to look after her, tell me, and I'll let them dirty slags do what they want to her. All right, Jim. All right. All right. All right. All right, then. Give me a fucking hard time, then. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You didn't give the bastard half enough, I'll tell you, Jim. Thank you. Goodbye. And uh, never got nicked. Oh, this but, is... Yeah, this is weird. Go on. Yeah, and then he's like, well, what if, what if it was your daughter in here and you want me to go soft on the guy? Then it's like, I'm trying to protect your daughter. What you? It was something along those lines. So I couldn't tell if he was trying to tell an anecdotal story to the cop or like a hyperbolic sort of story or if he's saying... Look, keep bothering me and it'll be your daughter. Not like, what if it's your daughter, but it'll yeah. be your daughter. I mean, dude's rich. I'm sure he knows some people that will do things. He threatened rape on a cop's daughter, essentially. Yeah. Threatened like a gang rape on a cop. I mean, this is the story he told. Again, it might not be true, but it does show how his mind works and where his mind goes. And again, he's not a reliable narrator because, no. I mean, everything he says has like double, he's double talking on it. He lived for years with his mother, who called herself the Duchess. The Duchess. Also, Louis now has this information because he was asleep. The director tells him about it, so it's hanging over Louis's head. He knows he has to bring this up. And uh, the Duchess, he lived with his mother, I guess, throughout the 70s, and she died in the 70s. Right. He couldn't bring girls over, and it seems weird. He said he's never had a girlfriend, like a steady girlfriend or anything like that. Mm-hmm. He said he may, he alludes that he's hooked up 8,000 times. Yeah. Not with grown-ass women. And not in the house. He has a love nest, which is also... Of course, yeah, that's what I thought. Of course he's not bringing them there. Yeah. It's like, so you need a special love nest? Why do you... I mean, you don't have a wife. I don't know. What are you doing in this place? I feel like Louis was just... Um, not Louis. Jimmy was trying to be kind of witty and clever and kind of mm-hmm. like got boxed into a corner because yeah. Louis's trying to get to the root of something. It, it seemed just kind of pathetic in this moment. And it's like... You're just a lonely fuck. Basically. They go to the Highlands, and finally Louie confronts Jimmy on the zero tolerance thing. But he only questions him about the thing where he said he would tie people up and beat them up. There was a bit in the Flatleys where you're talking about uh, running the nightclub in, in, in Glasgow. It's an unorthodox uh, 
sort of techniques. You mean the zero tolerance? Yeah. What's yeah. It, right. It's just I thought, oh, maybe he didn't know he was being taped and he said something he didn't mean to and I didn't want to appear to I be well, I don't know whatever I said. Whatever I said, I don't know what I said. Yeah. I can't remember what I said. And then he said he, play, he pulls a Trump. That really is a figure of speech, isn't it? It's rather like saying, uh, ooh, I could kill him. You couldn't kill him at all. It's a figure yeah. of speech. Yeah. It's like, I've never heard a figure of speech of, yeah, I take people down in the basement and tie them up. <laughs> That's a wild idiom. Man, scumbags do not like being held accountable for the things no. that come out of their mouth. No, this guy, he is dodging and weaving this entire interview. You don't know what a fucking metaphor is. You were trying to look like a fucking <laughs> yeah. badass. But Louis does not ask about the threatening of rape on cop daughters no which still i mean he could play it off like oh he's saying what if it was a cop's daughter but jimmy would probably say the same thing oh of course i didn't do oh, that. of course i didn't but jimmy apparently fucks up his ankle is swollen and they go to casualty or what we call in america <laughs> the emergency ER, the er man come on bro then this press guy shows up part of his team as he calls it this guy's on my team he's a friend of mine this guy's named anthony when we get the get the leg on would be, hey, but you can join in with them, because when I go, you go. I think the caption is, so Jimmy falls off his own mountain. It's a good one, that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right, all right, then. And Louis asks, What's your involvement here today? Well, I'm a press photographer yeah. locally, who cover for all the national papers, etc. So how we did you know it. Jimmy was going to be here? Well, we got somebody here to... He was sent down what had happened. He called you was, up. Well, yeah. 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 He called, he called, he, he used the phone. <laughs> and so they had to, they bandage up his ankle up in casualty and his toenails for an 80 something year old man look very groomed. Who cuts yeah, his they toenails? Look great. They look amazing. Who I cut, mean, who cuts his toenails? I wish I don't even want to know who cuts his toenails, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, t- I don't want to know what the situation is for it. You're right. We won't, we won't research that any further. <laughs> <laughs> so they get a room they're up in the highlands near where uh jimmy grew up yeah but jimmy sleeps in his fucking camper van a sweet vanigan by the way i mean yeah. there's a whole vanigan subculture that is popping and he's clearly part of it the next day they get up mm-hmm. and the casualty visit is in the papers yeah it's got a big spread and jimmy's happy but when asked about it initially he was like no no probably in the paper i don't care but then it ends up in the paper and he's he's over the moon. The first thing he gets, he does when he walks into the hotel is to get the paper. Yeah, first thing. And there you go. What an exciting, what some exciting news, man. And honestly, it is so sad. I mean, I don't feel bad for the guy, but the, the scenario, I'm thinking, God, this guy goes in the Highlands. Did he break his ankle on purpose just so he could get some news coverage because no one cares about him for anything positive anymore? Weird, weird. I thought about it. I was thinking, so he goes out in a run by himself then comes back and and it's hey i fell off my own mountain broke my ankle and then we get to the point in which uh louis confronts accusations i don't know how prominent these accusations have been yeah we have the john lyden shit this guy's been accused of 500 incidents it takes a fucking village to let people get away with that shit oh yeah there's a whole infrastructure of secrecy and cover-up around this man Louis says, So why do you say in interviews that you hate children when I've seen you with kids and um, you clearly enjoy their company and you have a good rapport with them? Right. Obviously, I don't hate them. That's yeah. number one. So why would you say that then? Because we live in a very funny world. And it's easy for me as a single man to say, I don't like children. Because that puts a lot of 
salacious tabloid people off the hunt. Yeah, as a single man, you you don't want to be considered, you know, one of these type of guys yeah. who loves children. Which but, why wouldn't you? I mean, are you basically saying that so tabloids don't, you know, pursue this whole uh, is he isn't he a paedophile yes. line basically? Yes. Yes. Oh, how do they know whether I am or not? How does anybody know whether I am? Nobody knows whether I am or not. I know I'm not, so I can tell you from experience. That the easy way of doing it when they say, "Oh, you have all them children, Jim will fix it," they say, "Yeah, I hate them." Yeah. That's to me, that sounds more sort of suspicious in a way. Though, Hard luck. Because it seems so important. Well, that's my policy. That's the way it goes. Really? That's what I do. And it's worked a dream. Has it worked? A dream. In my single days, no one ever accused me of uh, being yeah. a pedo. Because what? if you don't do that shit, you find that no one accuses you of that shit. You know, it's weird. I noticed that when you don't abuse children, people generally don't accuse you. Yeah, of that. totally. It's the wildest thing. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> it really works well for me. I don't yeah. do shit like that. Yeah. No one ever accuses me of I know, man. I love children. I'll say it right now. Kids, they're so funny. I mean, I'm not trying to raise a child right in this moment, but seeing other people's kids, I'm like, oh, man, look at that little guy. Yeah. He's great. Great kid. Scientologists will often call defectors child abusers. So if someone's yeah. a Scientologist and they're being like, oh, that person's a child molester, maybe be like, mm, no, no, no. Do a little research. I mean, Wikipedia's free. If you hear those accusations throw around, ask that person if they're a Scientologist or have ever been one. Matter of fact, just ask people if they're Scientologists first so you know who your <laughs> friends are. <laughs> right. Or who your friends or your ex friends are, I should say. Louis also says that in interviews, uh, Jimmy said he doesn't have emotions. Why, why have you said in interviews that you don't have emotions? Because it's easier. Okay, Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> he says that's also something to keep them, to keep from describing his emotions. Yeah. Which, sure, I get it. I don't want to talk about my emotions most of the time, except weekly on a podcast. He admits the truth is I'm very good at masking them. And honestly, it doesn't push any further than that. Mm -mm. I think it all was considered a rumor mill at this time. Though it seemed like a, a weirdly open secret, not unlike Harvey Weinstein. The more you learn about like the Weinstein case, there's no way all these actors that we've seen in films for like two, three decades just didn't know about this. You know? No way. I mean, it's cool that Brad Pitt wanted to beat his ass, but it didn't really go anywhere. I no. guess who would he tell? Like Everyone yeah. fucking knew that Weinstein was a creep. Yeah. There's got to be more accountability. I think it's hard because you see it with, I think it's very well illustrated I don't know if they meant to do this or not, but it's very well illustrated in this documentary exactly how a powerful man avoids punishment for his actions. Mm. Because you see it with Jim, Jim the Pill. Jim the Pill. You see it with Anthony. And he says this phrase over and over again to both of these people on his quote unquote team. And it's where I go, you'll go. And so clearly that's, uh, hey, I'm rich and famous. So yeah. everywhere I go, if you keep covering my tracks, then you'll rise up with me. Shower them with love. Yeah. And or, then they're more likely to kind of defend you. And it's not even love, honestly. It's base level greed. Yeah. I'll give you money. I mean, that's a photographer. That photographer took a picture of Jimmy Savile. He had the scoop. It's in the paper. That guy got paid. This ex-chemist, he's going to go with Jimmy. He's going to have some pains. He's going to need some yeah. sleeping pills. I he think, gets paid. I think for a lot of people, they justify things like, it didn't happen right in front of me, yeah. or it didn't happen to me. And in a lot of cases, like, there's a reason it didn't happen to you because you're mm -hmm. an adult. Like, this dude's a child fucker. He's not going to hit on you. But it's just so odd that, for me, I think things that are done to me directly are a lot more forgivable Same. than things that are done to people that I love and care about. Exactly. I can hold on 
If someone does something awful to someone I care about, that person I care about that it was done to can forgive that person, and I'll still hate that fucking person's guts like years later. And that's why Jimmy has no one close around him because there are probably plenty of people who saw what he was all about and just can't stand the man. Oh, they're at a chi- fish and chips shack. We've oh, skipped Jesus over this. Christ, man. This lady comes up and talks to, tells him how he wrote into Jim will fix it. And Jim says he didn't write back because she didn't. If you deport P.S., if ever I meet you, I know I shall fall madly in love with you. That would have been okay. And I read the letter, I thought, well, if that's all she thinks of me, she won't even fall in love with me. So I'll send it in the bin. Oh, I'll have to try it again then. Mm, what mm. did you write to him about? Uh, I wrote to see if it, my dad could go to, you know, to Grand Prix. Uh, well, Jim will fix it. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I wrote in to try and help my dad do something. And I'm just thinking, you this motherfucker yeah. right here, man. She's talking about writing him to help her father. And he's retorting with, yeah, well, you should have basically said you'd spread for me and then I would have given you yeah. everything you wanted in front of all these people in a restaurant. Like, it's no big deal. And no one's no one calls him on it at all. And imagine if you're out with your with your girl or your mom or a friend of yours who's a woman and she's talking to, let's just say she's talking to Bill Cosby. And he she says, yeah, I used to write you all the time to for help with my bills. And he'd been like, yeah, well, if you told me you let me get it in there, I would have like fucked you right there on the spot. Yeah. Which I think slagging is basically fucking. I think slag is like a hoe in, in England, England, but still oh. he's intimating that he's going to give it to her. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I, I can't say anything other than that. He's being completely unacceptable. No one says a fucking word. So if you wrote into Jim will fix it and you wrote, help my dad get this rare surgery and I'll give it to you. You know we probably answered those. I feel like that had to have happened. Yeah, absolutely. He, that show ran for 20 years. He responded so quick, quickly with that, as if it was either a stock response. So A, he's rattling that off to every woman that talks to him, which is disgusting. Or B, he's actually done it and knows how it works. So he's, he's not building himself up to be a great guy right here. Now, the thing that we were alluding to regarding the Flying Pizza restaurant, I think this was after this aired, but Louis was going through some stock, some footage they stocked up, and he came across some footage of Jimmy groping a woman at the Flying Pizza restaurant. And Louis has guilt, by the way. He has, like, serious guilt from this time because he said he actually liked Jimmy after this. At the end of this, they exchanged numbers, and yeah. Jimmy's like, uh, we'll always be together now. Yeah, if you ever need, you might find yourself, you're the top right now, but you might need something later on. But Louis and the director come across this footage, and they hand it to their higher-ups in the BBC, and they do nothing. Absolutely nothing. But Louis feels the most guilt. He actually put out a documentary. I think it came out... 2016, right? Yeah. Savile? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I feel like this episode we're doing is almost like a precursor to our upcoming Creeptober October. <laughs> have to do Savile during that one, man. Yeah. I think Jimmy Savile's going to come up again in a lot more details of his crimes. And Louis the Rue will probably come up again, too. And, and He's a, still out there, In a yeah. myriad of ways. I don't have a problem with, with Louis. He's I actually just doing kind his of, job. I actually kind of like him. Like I said, he almost, in a lot of ways, is like comedy documentation. Comedy documentary. I feel like our podcast, a lot of times, <laughs> is comedic documentary. And I don't blame Louis for being, if he was at all apprehensive about pressing him, because... This guy, you don't know what he's into. He is nobility. And I, I personally think nobility is just like one giant fraternity. And if you mess with them, bad things will happen to you. Yes. And I mean, you saw it when... I mean, we got this shit here in this country. Yeah, we have that here. And you saw when Savile was going to the hospital. He needed clearance to be able to film there. And he was on the phone saying, who can I get to say yes for this filming? And keep in mind that I've given you all a lot of machines. So you see how this guy works. You saw it live on camera. 
He intimidates. He uses every tool of his wealth, of his privilege, of his stature in the industry to twist people. You see yeah. it throughout this documentary. I think the 2016 Louis the Rue doc we mentioned on Savile is a lot of Louis dealing with his guilt by interviewing some of the victims. There seems to be very mixed reviews of it. I haven't watched it yet. Right. But I just want to say to Louis, it's I think his guilt, his feelings of guilt are important. Sure. And I think it's also the fact that he feels those feelings of guilt. I feel like I want to I want Louis to let himself off the hook a little bit more on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was willfully trying to perpetuate something. I think he was trying to understand something that a lot of people didn't know anything about. I think there's a lot of people who are complicit in this shit, but I don't really think Louis the Ruse was. No, I think Louis went in and didn't realize what he was getting himself into. Yes. He came in saying, I'm going to do this thing, trying to find out about it. I'm going to really hold him to the fire. And then the first thing he does is, I got your home address. Yeah. Louis, Jimmy Savile was like, hey, I know where you live. I mean, Louis the Ruse, like, he's interviewed the fucking, the, the, uh, that church, that protests like military funerals because gay people exist oh yeah i got yeah he's interviewed like clansmen and hate groups and shit sure i could imagine that guy who's been around shit like that like far right bullshit and then is just with this old man who probably reminds him of an uncle he's got i can see how maybe when it's all said and done like one thing doesn't seem so bad until of course that fucker dies and like mountains of information start to come out about him and also these clan people these church folks they're in america if I'm doing something with somebody that I hear is a badass in England, I'm going to think, all right, well, fuck this guy. I'm going back to America and I don't care about you anymore. But this guy's in his country. All sorts of head trips going on, I imagine. I think our brain sometimes m- makes us not want to think that these things are real, especially if we have had a charmed enough life to not directly be involved in these kind of situations. Jimmy Savile is this dude who goes around and he talks about positivity and negativity. And I've also noticed this theme too. The more you talk about that shit, the more dubious I think <laughs> the scenario seems, you right. know? Yeah. Because it seems like people are trying to convince you something about themselves when they use this rhetoric quite a bit. That's negative. I'm positive. I'm not necessarily against positive moments. Sure. But you know what? Sometimes I'm not against negative moments either because they're just going to happen. But when someone says, like, I cut out all negativity out of my life, things mm-hmm. like that, that's a very dubious thing to say to me because, one, it's impossible. Yeah. And, two, you're probably just, like, shitting on people in this way because anything that is pushed back to you is yeah. deemed negativity. That's negative. I'm positive. So, to me, when I hear someone say that, it's like, I'm wrapping myself in a bubble where I'm only surrounding myself with sycophants. When you say that you only have positivity, basically anyone that's coming across is always positive. And I'm guilty of this myself. I generally try to put out a positive vibe. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not. No, no, no. But I mean, but there is a certain level of dishonesty that I've come to terms with in that. You're being dishonest with the people around you because like you were saying, it is impossible to have a life that is always positive. There's always going to be something negative. There's always going to be a bad time. And so once you see that, you have to assume that there's a level of dishonesty, whether it's intentional or not. All this is doing with his constant press for positivity is weaving this thread, which has been going throughout this documentary of lying, of privilege, of using your status, like I said earlier, using your status and your connections to build this shell around you that protects you from any sort of accusation. Mm -hmm. And it. That's why we have to hold these people into higher account than others. It's because when someone has this much privilege and, and a, an ability to protect themselves, you have to always hold them. You just have to. You have to be harsher on them. Yeah. 
and Jimmy manipulated this masterfully to the point where anybody in a position of power was pretty much like, keep calm and let Jimmy fuck kids. Yeah, because there's too much at stake. I mean, this man was a juggernaut. He's raising money for charity. He's probably single-handedly responsible for employing hundreds of people through whether it be radio or television. And so when you have that much on the line, no one wants to disrupt the gravy train. Greed affects everyone. I mean, no one's immune from that. That's a good place to leave it. <laughs> Eldridge, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. We rate them in the Herzog rating scale. I'm so sick of people. They're damn stars. Like, yeah, it's just, something special. Can we shoot them out of the sky, please? Please. I just need Werner Herzog's head floating above me. <laughs> Millions of little Herzogs up there. Talking to me. Talking talking to me. If you see Werner Herzog's head floating around you, let me know and we'll I'll take you to a place to get you some help, okay? We'll take you to casualty. Yeah, we'll go to casualty. <laughs> we'll take a lift to the third floor. But you're right. We rate them in Herzog's. Herzog ratings. You're going to give this one through five Herzog's. I'm going to give this one through five Herzog's. We're going to combine them for best out of ten. Herzog's Eldridge, what did you think of this television documentary when Louis met Jimmy? There's like an ellipsis in there. Yeah. By Louis LaRue and Will Yap. Not very artistic. We you, we normally watch very artistic docs. Not yeah, this yeah. time. This one's pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. It's it's a guy with a camera following somebody. Very dry and British. Very dry and British. And I know that we dislike it when the person presenting the documentary is in it. Louis, he's all throughout the documentary. I didn't have a problem with that, personally. There wasn't anything interesting going on with the camera. Frankly, I felt like Louis punked out on really hitting hard on Jimmy. I mean, he did his best. But hey, just because you do your best and you fail doesn't mean I got to give you a fucking A+. Plus. So um, I think when you take nothing interesting happening on camera, Jimmy being the real interest part, simply because of the fucking train wreck he is, Louis not really holding his own very well. Because he's being outclassed by Savile. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going yeah. through a, a, a maze of elderly yeah. British man speak. Yeah, he's getting outclassed. And sorry, Louis, but that's what happened. I'm going to go and give this one a straight three. We call that one the Herzog average. Yeah, I'm giving that one the Herzog average. I think he really hit the nail on the head. I mean, I won't say I didn't find this unenjoyable. Yeah, it was great. Interesting. And in the light of a lot of information we have now, it seems that there is an importance to it. Especially if you want to get deeper into an understanding of how this man was able to manipulate his way into, I mean, the, the guy, he's a, he's the center of literally a child pedophile ring that is a literal conspiracy here. <laughs> yeah. There's no other way to describe it. I often dismiss conspiracies. A lot of conspiracy theorists, I kind of get mad at them because it's like, you know, a lot of the things that the, because the ways we get fucked are not a secret. You just have to like, look, Mm -hmm. So why bring like reptilians into it? <laughs> but this is a for real conspiracy. But yeah, I think you're kind of right. Uh, Louis did kind of get pushed around with words here, but it also is kind of important to show the way Jimmy Savile is. So it's interesting in that respect. For me, I actually don't mind the dryness. Anything Louis the Rue, you're going to get it filtered through Louis. That's just how it is when you when you hit play on any Louis the Rue thing. Mm -hmm. So if you inherently hate that. You're just kind of setting yourself up to get mad. It'd be like at this point if I watched some Morgan Spurlock documentaries. We we know what, what's going to happen with uh, me. You can't see it, but we're continuing a trend. Yeah, just, making hand job just motions. Hand job motions. But I would imagine we will thoughts and prayers get to a Morgan <laughs> Spurlock documentary again. He is a documentarian. It's got to happen. Oh, by the way, I gave Eldridge three <laughs> options. One was 
Two of them were like bait to piss me off to yeah. just get me to yell into a microphone. <laughs> and the third was this. <laughs> and and he picked I thought you would pick some bait just because maybe you'd want to watch me get mad. Nope. Nope. You went for the interview with the uh, extreme pedophile. Okay. I don't like how you're framing this. <laughs> <laughs> but man, you're dead on. You're totally right. I think this is a straight up herdsog average. Yeah. And um and I think the level of there is enough interesting about it to keep it from being like a two point five a regular average. Yeah. I thought about going to you with mine. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Oh, you haven't given yours yet. You're saying oh, right on? I'm a three as well. <laughs> okay, yeah, I thought about with. going two on mine. So mm-hmm. we got how many? This is a six out of a possible ten herds. Yeah, here. yeah, it's it's like a slightly above average. Yeah, I thought about going with the two just because I don't know. I just didn't like the look and feel of the documentary. It was pretty boring. It wasn't until I started remembering. Oh yeah, this guy's a massive pedophile, and he's giving you all the clues. That's what bumped it up to the three for me. But I do think if you want to learn more about jimmy savile and his hideous crimes watching this is worth it if you're going to go down that road get onto youtube search for creepy tapes of jimmy savile that uh i'll link stuff just don't open it at your job not at work they they track that stuff people we don't want to be (laughs) responsible for you losing your jobs here any link i put in the show notes go home yeah even if it seems safe, often yeah. it's just trailers. Open that- an incognito browser too, you know, just load up your VPN. <laughs> Documenteers is not a safe for work. This pocket. is an NSFW. Unless okay. I explicitly tell you like my little, like Lexi's on an yeah. episode, those will be fine. Although I'm still weird. Like I yeah. say farts and barf all the time. Even still, just don't even, don't just get on your 4G, turn off your Wi-Fi at work. Don't do it. It's not worth it. So that's six out of 10 Herzogs for when Louie met Jimmy. By Will Yap and Louis the Rue. Yeah, that's all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good job, Louis. Oh, and Louis, let yourself off the hook, man. All right. Well, wait, wait, but no, that's that's what that's what Bobby is saying. I'm saying telling you, you really didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> no, and, no, no, no. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm telling you this right now. He guilt, should have pushed harder. I agree. Even aside from that, even if you're inexperienced, guilt is a is a necessary emotion. I hope it drives you the, to the, further work. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that he feels the guilt, though, is a good thing. Guilt is so convenient. Just just feel the guilt, but actually do something more than do another fucking documentary. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, we don't know. He maybe he has. We don't know. There's hey, I'm lot. just saying. You're the yin. I gotta be the yang, bro. I sure. gotta. Someone's gotta hold his feet to the fire. Keep him. Keep him honest. <laughs> But I'll still watch some of his docs. Have you seen the Scientology one? Angel and I are very split on it, but I actually like it a lot. Interesting. Well, you guys should do that one sometime. Yeah, maybe we should. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll come back to you soon, Louis LaRue. <laughs> and Jimmy Savile, glad you're dead. Yeah. Rotten hell. If only you died 50 years earlier. If only he had been, like, miscarried from the womb. Yeah. That's why I'm pro-choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this got real dark. Uh, yeah, let's uh, get out of here. All right. All right, buddy. Keep okay. on, Doc. Very, very good. 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 Very, very